0: Hi, this is Roy Jones with Man Talk Radio Podcast. Our mission is to break down the walls of race and denomination. Your chosen Truth Radio broadcast will be starting in just a few seconds. Thank you. This is the Truth Network. She's real fine, my 409.
1: She's real fine, my 409, my 409. Welcome to the Christian Car Guy Radio Show.
0: I say this calls for action, and now. Well, good morning. This is Bill Mixon. I have the pleasure of filling in for Robbie Dilmore this morning, who was at a conference all week. First Saturday Saturday of the month I get to be his co-host and on occasion when he can't make it I have the honor and privilege to, to do the show and this Saturday I had an exceptionally special occasion in that I got to choose my guest there is an organization that i had the greatest respect for those that work there are heroes to me when covid shut down churches and government agencies and nonprofits, city with dwellings not only stayed open their workload dramatically increased and the need for their in- services increased in importance and their staff not only stayed but they stepped up to deal with all the additional problems that came with it and I have Mark Dockery with me. Mark works with City With Dwellings. They work with the homeless. And his expertise is to go out and see all those campsites that you can barely see driving in the, down the highway and back in the woods in places that you don't see. And you would be amazed. Even in the middle of the city, we had this great big tree next to a major road. And under that tree, there are three or four tents set up. If you turn your radar on, you'll realize that there are a whole lot more homeless just at the edge of your site everywhere you go. We also have a whole lot of people in the country that are living out of their cars, a lot of the folks that are living out of their cars are working somewhere, making some money, and some of them get by other, wa- other ways. But Mark, would you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to work at City with Dwellings?
1: Certainly. Um, I am the Director of Outreach at City with Dwellings, and I started working with the homeless uh, 10 years ago. Um, I was working part-time at a local shelter as a monitor when I left there, I started volunteering with City with Dwellings, and they brought me on part time as their transportation person. So I would take um, a lot of our homeless people to various clothing closets, food closets, if they needed to go get their ID, anything to help them out, including their doctor's appointments. And then when COVID hit, and we started our uh, COVID hotel um, with the partnership of another local shelter. Um, I pretty much came on full-time then as a transportation person because it was a medically fragile hotel, so everybody in the hotel had medical issues, and I was transporting them back and forth to the doctor's appointments. And then in September that year, I became uh, part of the outreach team, and that's when I started going out on the field, under the bridges, in the woods, everywhere you can think of, I'm out there looking for the people.
0: Now, let's step back. When they went to the hotel, how many folks did they have in the hotel? Uh, I want to say it was like 60 rooms they had. So we had 60 people on the street during COVID that they're scared to death that they would catch it. And if they caught it, we were absolutely sure they were going to die. And we got the money. Uh, Was it the dwelling that got the money? City with Dwellings and Bethesda Center both partnered with that. And they brought all these people that were homeless and put them in not the best hotels in town and had a place where all the services could be brought to those folks yes. and those folks could be transported. And my understanding that, that that group of people you really didn't have high hopes for did very, very well.
1: They did very well, actually. It was actually a very successful project. We learned a lot from it. Uh, we are taking some of the uh, what we've learned and trying to – build our own program around that as well.
0: Now, when the the grant for the hotel rooms was going to run out, you had a big problem on your hand, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> which was?
1: Which was where to put everybody.
0: Yes. Uh, absolutely. It, it had to be a God thing. They found a couple really huge, low-income apartment complexes that had units that were so unbelievably dilapidated that they had no plans to ever use them again. And this organization brought in volunteers from all over the state to refurbish. I'm not even sure that's the right word. To totally destroy and put back together It was a total
1: reconstruction.
0: It it, it was... um, there were days when I said, if we survive this, COVID's nothing.
1: Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And there was actually a lady who was with United Way at the time also who helped lead that up too. So her and Emily, who was also with um, City with Dwellings, she's now with the dwelling, um, those two really headed it up and just went full force and totally just, I mean, it was a total reconstruction pro- process. And if it had not been for that, most of those people from the hotel may be back on the street at the time. If
0: lucky that it only been on the street. Right. Now, you know, we just did something called the point-in-time count put on by HUD, which um, how about explaining exactly what that is and why it's important?
1: Yeah, The point-in-time count, um, in order for the city of Winston-Salem to get funding from HUD, at least uh, every other year, they have to have what's called a point-in-time count. It's usually, we usually try to do it every year. But the point-in-time count is one night a year where uh, volunteers will go out and literally to the sites and around and just try to get a good count of how many people are on the street so that you get um, try to get a name and race and age range of the people that are out there. And that way we can report to HUD, here's how many people we know are on the street.
0: So when you hear on the news that we've got 2% more vets on the street or there are 12% more people under 18 homeless, that's where this information comes from.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, and I will say this, that particular night is not the most accurate. However, we're given a little leeway of like seven days to get more accurate information. So I have, with, from that time frame, In that time frame, I can ask people, where did you stay at that night? And if they stayed on the street, then I can count them within that seven days. So I do have a seven-day time frame for that, which is very helpful because there's just no way to get to everyone in one night in that time frame.
0: Now, why this is important is the federal government and the state government divvy up the money they have allocated for the homeless based on how many homeless they think are in a particular zip code, so that if... HUD says to one particular county, we think you have X number of homeless. If they don't go out and count, which they have the right not to, then they're settling on the numbers that HUD gives them. But if HUD says you've got 100 homeless out on the street and 100 homeless in shelters and 100 homeless in treatment programs, and you say, boy, that number's wrong, we think it's a whole lot higher than that, then you've got to go out and interview the people to prove that the number is a whole lot higher than that. When I did this two years ago, I was thinking we had 200 people on the street, and you were telling me you thought we had how many people living under the stars now?
1: Last year, close to, well, we had about 270 people on the list that I personally keep. And I would say right now I'm at close to 310, I think, on my list. I could easily push that to 400 if I could actually verify some of the people who call in. And But, I mean, it's going to be close to 400. Now,
0: those are the folks on the street. In addition to that, we've got people in the Samaritan Ministries. Correct. We've got people in the Winston-Salem Rescue Mission. We've got people in a number of other programs, that's about 100 bids?
1: Close to, yes.
0: And then you have people in treatment programs like Wings of a Dove and Holly Mm -hmm. House, and that's probably another 100? At least. So there are lots of folks that when you say, hey, Uh, I got a bag of cookies for you. I'm from city with dwellings. They don't actually come talk to you, do you?
1: Exactly. They really don't.
0: So you've seen the backside of probably another 100 people that aren't in that number. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, we've got 700 to 1,000 homeless people in Forsyth County and then we've got a flow of people that sort of come through, and it's amazing the folks that I, we've talked to that said, I came on the bus, I got off the bus, I wandered away to get something to eat, and you know that bus didn't wait on me, Right. and I don't know what to do, yep. and they come in and we work with them. We actually have some organizations that send people by Uber long distances, let's skip over the county next to us, we heard Forsyth's doing a pretty good job, and they they drop them off. The really weird one that gets me is the people that I've met that have gone into our prison system, mm-hmm. and they're from the east. They're down on the coast, and they end up in Forsyth County with right. absolutely nothing. Right. And them having to figure out how in the world do I find my brother, who I hope is still alive, down in Swansboro.
1: Exactly. We had one guy. I'll never forget this. He was a really cool dude. He just showed up on our steps one day, and um, I looked at him and I said, What is happening? He says, Well, I just got out of jail from West
0: Virginia, and they sent me down here. It's amazing. We had one person that was let out of the hospital and showed up with an air machine at the front door that wasn't even charged. We'll get back to that in just a second. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. Well, welcome back. Uh, you're here with uh, the Christian Car Guys Show. Robbie Dillmore is uh, just finishing up a convention, and this is William Mixon, Bill Mixon. I was offered the opportunity to come in and co-host. Um, Host the show today. We're a call in show. Our number is 866 348 7884. 866 348 7884. We've got Mark Dockery here, who's part of City with Dwellings. He's an outreach um, expert working with the homeless. And I wanted him to come on the show and talk about all the homeless that live in their cars. There's a surprising number, and a lot of those folks that live in their cars have jobs, and a lot of the folks that are homeless that have children are working out of their cars. Uh, share a couple of stories in what your your perception of the homeless in the vehicles is.
1: Yeah, there's actually quite a few out there, and I wish I could give you a number, but I can't simply because it, it is so hard to keep track of people who are living in the cars because they don't park in the same spot all the time. Um, there is one lady that I try to keep up with and she actually has two jobs and she just goes from one job to the other and sleeps in her car in the parking lot of the jobs that she's working at. Um, so she's making okay money, but it's still just not enough, um, for the rent prices the way they are. Um, there's also very, a lot of families. Um, I got a call the other day from a 20 year old who has a one year old and a six month old. Living in their car, and they've been living in the car for about a week. Um, so it is a huge population that is starting to stay in their cars now, and is like I said, it's very, very difficult to keep up with that
0: particular population. I remember I was doing a point-in-time count one time and met this gentleman who was rather well-dressed, sleeping in his car, and he was a, a assistant manager for a major restaurant chain. And we talking, and basically he said, I owe child support, mm-hmm. and the child support is important to me. And by the time I pay my child support, I don't have the money to be able to get any type of housing. You know, The best I've pieced together is if you've got $700, $700 is pretty much the sweet spot. If you're getting a SSI check, right, then... If you can find something for $700, then you've got affordable housing. Right. But everything in our area today, even the the, the places I wouldn't want to live in, are running $1,400 a month for a one-bedroom.
1: It, it is difficult to find an apartment in this area under $1,000. Um, so affordable housing, 500 would be great because a lot of our people who are on the fixed income, they don't make more than a 900 a month. So if you got an apartment that is 8 900 that's their whole check gone within a month. So then, then what did they do? So that's another reason why there's a lot of people. I, I was talking to a couple last week. She is 75 and he's 80 and they're currently living in a van. Um, I mean, they had a hotel room for that night but they're currently in the van for about a week or two because he had some financial issues and just could not afford the hotel. But they've been in a, they've been living in a hotel for about a year. Now they're in the van. So it's, I mean, they make decent money, but at the same time, they don't make enough to qualify for a regular apartment.
0: Now, I'm I'm going to, At one time in the United States, there was an awful lot of leaded gas. There was an awful lot of pipes put together with lead lead solder. There were a lot of cans that were put together with lead. There was paint, lead-based paint. And if you go study it, the lead poisoning that everybody in the nation, we were breathing in, drinking in, eating this stuff, really messed with a lot of people's heads. If you look, the, the violent assaults, the the murders were very, very, very high for a long time until we started putting catalytic converters on cars and getting rid of the leaded gas and getting rid of the, the, the leaded paint. And we filled up all our mental health centers. And then in 1975, the ACLU won a Supreme Court case that basically said if you were in a mental health center and you didn't want to stay, it wasn't legal to force you to stay. And in 1976, 77, the mental health centers emptied out. And if you will look, the incarceration rate went through the roof right after that. The homeless numbers went through the roof right after that. The um, deaths with illegal drugs overdoses went through the roof right after that we have a lot of people on the streets in the woods behind our houses that aren't mentally capable of holding a job exactly we've got people that if you put them in an apartment and you pay for that apartment and they got a check coming in that they don't have the wherewithal to make the payment, to pay the utility bills, to go to the grocery store, to figure out what to buy, to cook a meal.
1: They don't have the life skills. They just don't have the life skills. Uh, We housed one guy, he had literally been living in a tent for about 20 some years. He's 76 now. He was housed for almost a year. He was evicted because his apartment smelled so bad That um, that it was stinking up the whole apartment building, and they literally had to wear hazmat suits to uh, clean out his apartment when he evicted.
0: Now, you were telling me a story. There was a fellow that was a special forces Mm -hmm. ranger that was living in a tent, and you were walking down the trail, and there was a pile of garbage. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, he was in a pile of
1: garbage, and um, I just thought, somebody must be around here. And I kind of poked the garbage, and he just pops up and says, hey, how did you find me? But he was one of those guys who was out there, and you would not find him unless he wanted to be found.
0: There are a lot of people that you look at on the side of the road, and you say, boy, he should just get a job. And I'm trying to get it through your mind that for a large portion of those folks, that really isn't an option. A lot of those folks get a check, a monthly check. Um,
1: for SSDI uh, or SSD. SSI, one to two. Yes. And
0: if they get a job, there's this narrow little teeny tiny window where they can make a little bit of money. It's usually about 20%. And if they make a dollar more than that, they absolutely ruin their life. Yep. So... Pray about them Think about ways that you can make a difference And we'll talk about that when we come back We appreciate you staying tuned in Give us a call 866-348-7884 You're listening to the Truth Network And truthnetwork.com You know, sometimes in the breaks we have these absolutely wonderful conversations (laughs) that uh, I'm sorry you missed. Um, There are a lot of people that we have bumped into, that we have talked to, that we have tried to help that look just like your brother, that look just like your uncle. I've got some family members, nephews that, you know, they had all kinds of problems, and... uh, My heart goes out for these folks that really want to fix their situation. And some of these people are really great people. On Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we've got an opportunity for two hours for people to come in. They've got use of phones. They've got use of computers. And there's uh, 35 to 70 people that get coffee. And yet, your most prized possession is your phone. And it always amazes me, the people that set their phone out and don't worry about it. Of course, you'd also be amazed at how many tell us their phones get stolen other places. <laughs> uh, I always thought that, one, you should have to keep your phone number. I like the idea that they get phones. It right. makes the world run better. But they need to be tied to you in some way that you can't even take them off in the shower. Um, a couple instances of folks that you've bumped into the car that that were just... Um, Bad timing, just bad situation?
1: There, there's a few of those. Um, like I said, like one particular family that I bumped into a few months ago, um, it was uh, the lady, and it was actually her mom and her daughter, and the daughter was six years old, um, and she had just lost her job. and just I mean, she was trying to take care of both her mom and her daughter and just lost her job and could not afford the rent, so she was evicted from that. Um, I get calls from the school system about people who, like, like, i got a mother here who is sleeping in her car, and the two kids are sleeping in the car with her. What do we do? Um, and it's usually because of either, either a loss of a job or they're going through a divorce of some sort, but there's usually some sort of financial hardship
0: where they just can't afford a place to stay. The Bible says, Jesus said, Be generous to the poor. And everything will be clean for you. James, listen, my beloved brother. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? Yet some of the folks that I have met at City with Dwellings and the dwellings, some of the homeless have, are the most loving and caring and compassionate and look after each other. And now I'm not saying all. It's a whole lot nicer place, very rare I even hear a bad word said, but some of them are some of the nicest, most respectful, if they only had $5, they'd give you 3 Right,
1: Right, right. Um, I'll share this to you. When I was working at the um, shelter as a monitor, um, there was one time when... Uh, the person who was supposed to come in after me did not come in. And I had only eaten breakfast that morning, so I was not prepared to eat. stay there the whole day. And I literally had five people who were homeless, staying in that shelter, walk up to me and say, Mark, have you eaten? No. And they all brought me food. They brought me food. And because they were there, they all seemed to have this need to take care of somebody or something. And um, that's That's really a big theme. They take care of each other. They watch out for each other. They are a community. And that's one of the things that
0: City with Dwellings is doing is
1: really building community.
0: James said, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one says to you, go in peace, be uh, warmed and filled, without giving them the things necessary for the body, what good is it? So, also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Matthew, the king will reply, "'Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you did for me.'" Uh, Matthew, "'Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you?' When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Jesus said, I tell you, because you do not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. We've got a responsibility. It's a Christian network there. I'm assuming a lot of you folks got Bibles around. We've got a responsibility when we see people in need to help them. Now, I think we've got a responsibility to tell everybody in the world to come, but I think that when we have the opportunity to help somebody that right is right in front of us, that we're called to do that. We're supposed to be a time of refreshing. We're supposed to be a light on the hill. We're supposed to be Jesus's hands. Now, I don't like the idea of handing a homeless person five bucks no. when we drive by. No, but I do believe in having a care package in a gallon-sized plastic baggie in my back seat. Mark, yeah. what do you think? Yeah,
1: I totally agree with that. I always suggest never giving out cash of any sort. If it's a gift card or something they can use, that's a different story, mainly because you just don't know where that cash is going to go to. Um, offer to buy them food. That's usually how I gauge it. If I find see somebody that I don't know who's homeless and they got the sign or panhandling and they say, you know, need food or need money, I will offer them, hey, can I come over here and buy you some food? And if they say no, they just want the cash, then that usually means they're going to take that cash for something that they really shouldn't be using it for. So I totally agree with that. Um, The other thing too is um, approaching someone like that. And I just want to put this out there too, when he's talking about we have that responsibility, right? I think the other responsibility too is to not pity them, but actually see them as the person who just needs help. I see a lot of people approaching our homeless and they have that, Oh, you poor soul. And, yeah, they may be in a bad situation, but that's not the best way to approach that person. Um, that is actually going to put that person on the defensive, and it could easily escalate into a bad situation when, you're at, when, when it's approached that way. So, you know, if you see someone who's on the street and you would like to help them, hey, how you doing today, man? Um, you look like you're in a bad situation. What can, I, what can I offer you right now? Can I offer you a gift card, some food? You know, what, what, what do you need right now?
0: Now, the other thing you can do is you can check, and the library might be a good place to start, what are the resources that are available in your county, in your city? There may be a really great pamphlet already created that you can get copies of, or you can download and copy on your copier, or you can put together. So in that gallon-sized bag, it's good to have a list of the resources, where you can go to get a meal, where you can go to get food, where you can go to get clothes. Um, the mental health facilities that are available, the homeless shelter that's available, how to tune into um, mental health assistance. And to have that in there, you might have a separate bag with your church's name and phone number on it. Uh, a bottle of water is a good idea. A snack that doesn't have to be cooked, like mm-hmm. nabs or um, uh, Vienna sausages.
1: It, anything that's non-perishable.
0: And then a coupon to a, a fast food restaurant. You got a lot of McDonald's in your area. That would be a good one. I also highly challenge don't just put anybody in your car.
1: No. Do I not. mean, there,
0: there, I, I, there are a couple occasions that that went so wrong that I had to swear to my wife that I'd never do that again. <laughs> so, you know, to roll your window down halfway with the door locked and say, you know, I'll be glad to buy you breakfast if you walk up to that restaurant right there. And then meet them at the restaurant, sit down and have a talk with them. If you don't have time for that, you can say, here's a bag. Now, I put a little Gideon Bible in the bag that I give them. Uh, There are churches in your area that are more likely to work with homeless than yours might be. And you might find out which different organizations have a heart for the homeless and that you could put their name and phone number in the bag. One good project would be for your small group, for your Bible study, for your church, to put those bags together and get all your members to keep two or three of those bags in their car and to be praying for the homeless that you see. Other thing, I know there there are a lot of folks out there. They're really messy. There's a lot of folks that I hear, I want the cops to come move them out. And our city does a good job of moving folks out, but they move them from one spot to another spot. So I'm, I'm sort of wondering if it might not be a bad idea to go out with about five or six really big garbage bags and say, look, I'll give you some coupons to the local restaurant if you'll pick up all this trash and carry the, the bags up to a dumpster somewhere. What can you do to be a light on the hill in a time of refreshing? Is there a shelter in the area that you can be a part of, that you can reach out and you can contribute there. Is there a way for the groups that you have that come together where that you can make a difference? The problem's going to get bigger. Yes, it is. Right now, there are lots of people that are one small emergency away from being homeless. You have one late bill, and then the fees stacked on top of that, and then the bank's fees on top of that, one small financial problem can cause hundreds of dollars of need that can't be met. And we've both talked to people that were doing just fine, just barely hanging on. But one small financial problem, put them on the street. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad that you're here. We want you to lift up Robbie as his travels from the convention he was at. We'd like you to lift up the radio station. We'd like you to pray for Citywood Dwellings and the Dwelling Church and the homeless in your area. When you're praying, think about what you can do, how you and your church and your small group can make a difference in your community, because you've got a responsibility. You're an ambassador for Christ. If you've got Jesus in your heart, you've got responsibilities, and some of those responsibilities are to make a difference in your community. It's easy to look at folks that you think should be able to just pick themselves up and solve their life's problems But you don't know what their problems are. And a lot of these people have mental problems that make it almost impossible to do the things that you and I can do. So they need your assistance. Mark, share a story or two about some folks, some success stories you've seen.
1: Yeah, we have some really good success success stories. Um, You know, people who have been housed, um, a couple of people I'm thinking of right now, there was uh, one couple who was living in an abandoned building for almost a year um, and they were housed sadly he has passed away due to some health complications he had but she still has the place and i mean she's still going strong which is it, it was it really took an act of god to get them into this place because of all the red tape that they had to go through um and they just they were just great people so i have a lot of stories like that where i mean Somebody who's been living in a tent for many years, one one lady who's still housed, she was actually living on a sidewalk. And it was kind of heartbreaking when I moved her into her place because she's unpacking and then she picks up this can of Lysol and she looks at it and she goes, which room do I put this in? It's been so long since I've had my own place, I don't even know where to put my stuff. So... Though, those are times for me when I'm, I feel really blessed because I can actually work with this people, these people and say, hey, you know, you can put in the kitchen, the bathroom, whatever, and really help them develop some new skills to live on their own.
0: Now, I don't know about you. I do know about you. Most of you have some family members that aren't that far removed that have some emotional, psychological problems. Most of you have neighbors where you've known people that you went to school with that as they aged, some of these problems materialized and their life got more difficult. Some of you have children that have gone through all kinds of drug and alcohol problems and, you know, how in the world it came about I don't know I don't know if I did something wrong I don't know what could have been done different but some of you have children that have taken their lives I have known people that had absolutely wonderful jobs and looking at them there's absolutely no way that you would expect them to go into the new house that they bought and hang themselves there are people out there that need a little bit of love. There are people out there that need an opportunity to talk to you, to share their story with you. And a lot of times you don't have the answer. But the fact that you're just willing to listen, the, the fact that you're just willing to take a little bit of your time and ask somebody that was on the side of the street to walk up to that restaurant and sit down and have a meal with you. In almost every case that I've seen that, during that conversation, God would put a name, a face, somebody in my mind that I was more skilled and more uh, able to take care of the situation they were in. And I was able to hook them up. We've got a responsibility to be Christ on this planet. We've got a responsibility to do everything we can To make life easier for those around us. Because those are the opportunities that give us a chance to share about Jesus. You have a responsibility to tell people why you've got a faith in Christ. Why other people should accept Jesus as their Savior. And if they don't see you as a light on the hill and a time of refreshing. If you're not making a difference in their life, why should they listen to you? And if they're hungry, or they don't have clothes, or they don't know what they're going to do for their child, you can tell them everything you want to tell them. They're not in a position to hear. Now, some of the neatest things I've seen down at City with Dwellings is the staff and what a good job they do. List. I mean, Krista is just bizarre to me. <laughs> I just love the peace yes. that sort of surrounds her yes. and the folks that can just come up and just be in, in her presence. Yes. And Lee... Lee can sit there and listen to a conversation and figure out the the parts that she's got to pay attention right. to and remember the conversation she's had to lead people in the right direction. Right. Tell me a little bit about the other staff members.
1: Um, well, the other staff members, we have Carlos, who's with the Heart Project. Um, he is just one of the coolest dudes out there. He also plays saxophone. And um, he just has a very laid-back presence that, that whenever you're around him, I just have this total comfort around him and that's another reason why people can talk to him as well. Uh, we have Tanisha, who also does our women's group there. And I think that's pretty much – I can't remember who else we all we have right now. We've, we have – huh? Chris. Chris. That's right, Chris. Chris is one of our newest um, people. He, he does. He's actually taken over my transportation part. Um, I don't do as much transportation, but he has just a really cool way with people as well. Um, so all of us together, we make a really great team because we um, – pretty much work off each other's skills. Um, You know, my skill set, I'm usually the one who's really blunt with the people and tell them how that is and like, hey, look, A, B, C, D, and this is it. But at the same time, I do it in a way that's loving to them and a way where that's not offended, right? So, and then when I tell them this and then they go over here to Lee or Krista or something like that, well, Mark said this. Well, yeah, that's true. And then they'll expand a little bit more. So we work on each other in that way and it, which makes us a great
0: team. You also have a lot of volunteer opportunities, some really yeah. neat folks. I mean, you've got some retired ministers that come in and work. You've got some folks that have been in mental health and retired. You've got some folks that come in and you know, make coffee, uh, that right. do the mail room, and just sit and talk with people. Um,
1: Yeah, that's the the main thing right there with volunteering, just coming in and talk to people. The people who come in to see us, they want to be heard. They have a story to tell of some sort. Um, And just to have that presence and somebody talking to them and where they actually feel heard. And that's one of the biggest things with our population on the street. They don't feel like they're being heard. They they have... um, some self-worth issues that need to be helped on some value issues as well coming to us listening to their story and getting their experience helps build their character as well and that's a big step in helping them get off the street
0: i want you to google city with dwellings winston-salem and there's all kinds of really interesting information on the programs that this organization has put together you also can google the dwelling church winston-salem and see all the programs that they're doing to help the homeless in their community if you're in this area there are all kinds of opportunities at the winston-salem rescue mission um, the samaritan ministries holly house But if you're in another area, I'm sure there's some facilities there that you can get hooked up to. The public library is a good place to start. Call them up and say, I'd like to know what programs are set up in our area to help the homeless. Um, There are also some national programs that you can contact. The federal government has a web page that you can go on and list your information, and they will tell you what organizations are available. Um, We appreciate you tuning in. We ask you to tune back in. And if you're in a position to join us in the next hour for Kingdom Pursuits, we'd love to hear you uh, call in and let us know what you think. Please pray for this station and Robbie and for the homeless in your community. Remember, you're God's light everywhere you go.